0: Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bowles, site manager at OneFootDown.com on SB Nation. And uh, flying solo today, I got my partners are moving all across the country. Uh, But nevertheless, we got Greg from UHND to swing by and uh, talk to us this afternoon. Greg, how you doing?
1: Good. What's going on? Good, sir.
0: Greg, just, I mean, we're talking LA, West Coast, East Coast time. Uh, around lunch so this is uh just you're waking up to this good stuff
1: absolutely i'm so excited i don't have to i don't have to well you don't have to stay up till like midnight and i don't have to stay up till 10 recording it's summertime uh i'm not you know i'm a teacher so i'm not in school right now it's all very exciting (laughs) um speaking of which i was listening to your uh i was listening to your podcast that you put out yesterday Asking about people's summers. Oh, that's fantastic. So, I mean, what I got going on is, um, well, so I just got out of summer school. I did four weeks of summer school um, just to get a little extra money. Um, then the Is wife that a little
0: easier gig? Now, my, my mother-in-law just retired from teaching. This, this, this is her last year that she just went through. So All after right. 35 years, she's done. And then my sister-in-law, uh, she's four years in. Is how's your how's that summer school work? Is that is that a little easier gig for you, or well, is it it's just only the, the dreg of having to go in because it is the it is the what the teacher paradise is of the summer?
1: It's only half day for one, so um, there's not like the the like that whole grind of like a right. full day where you have like recess and lunch and all that other hocus pocus. Um, and mainly, you're just focused on like the kids who take summer school. It's just maintenance for um, the next school year that's coming up um, just to make sure, like, little let's, retain, yeah, let's retain some of the information that you had um, that you go going the next school year. Um, generally speaking, the students are um, – they're a little bit behind. So it's like you don't want them to fall further behind by not um, having any school for the – you know the the couple months that they're off so so
0: so do you wear a cape yeah, that's some hero work right there makes, <laughs> I mean honestly i mean I, that makes me feel
1: all good good inside here now <laughs> uh I don't wear a cape, um but we do i, I do try to keep it fun for them, especially in the summer, like' because I mean all their friends are out, they're playing um I mean this is elementary school, so right um it's not like it's high school kids, so it's um. You try to keep it fun for them. You keep it light. Like there's no homework or anything like that. Um, We do a lot of activities, that sort of thing. So, you know, it's fun. Hanging out with kids is a good time. So what else you got going
0: on then this summer after all, after now that we got, uh, I don't know when you guys go back to school, we here, here, here in Northwest Ohio, we do the, uh, the full three months. So you get June, July and August off kids, which is fantastic. Uh, So we got half the summer gone, half summer to go. What, What do you got left?
1: Students are back uh August
0: twenty-eighth. So Oh that's excellent. Excellent. So you got a half a summer left then.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got a lot. So I've got about six weeks. Um we're gonna go to the uh every year the family goes to Newport Beach for two weeks, which is basically I mean we live on the beach, but you know, there's just a bunch of beach cities. Newport Beach is something I did as a kid and then, you know, once our family grew, my older sister's family grew. Um, we decided to bring it back. So we're going to Newport nice. beach for a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, my
0: it. wife's best friends from high school, uh, from <laughs> Decatur, Indiana. She's actually a, a giant like Instagram influencer living in Newport. Beach. Oh my goodness.
1: I mean, look, <laughs> let me tell you, there, there's, there's a lot of that going on out here. Yeah.
0: That's like, um, I'm,
1: I'm like, what, what does she do again?
0: And then you get the email, like, this is the chair you have to have and, like to me. And it's like a $10,000 office chair. I'm like, does does, Alethea, does does
1: she still realize what <laughs> how we're living over here? It's 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 a it's a different world. Let me tell you. And and it used to man that it, it is so far out of my game. That's another thing about the summer is like <laughs> once you have kids, it's like I am so just like dad life, dad bod. Like going to the beach, it yeah, used to man. be a thing where it's like, oh, I need to I need to get my my body right. I need to get my good trunks, like my glasses, like make sure everything is just right. Now, listen, we got the kids. <laughs> and and you know, having the children 24 hours a day for two weeks, that doesn't happen. Like we are, my wife and I are legitimately concerned. Like where is everyone? Everyone's got to like sleep in the same room. We're going to have to like share beds. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be fun, but it's going to be a lot, a lot of stress too. So um, the summer, summer as an adult is not, it's better. It beats working, but not by, not by as much as it used to. Let's just no, put it like no, that. No, no. Oh, I'm with
0: you, man. I got three kids. I, I know the wear and tear that the, and I, I, I had took some time off and I'm telling you that wear and tear, it, it gets on you. It gets on you for sure.
1: The well, good hey, news is that the right. good news though, is that, the 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 football season is getting closer the brain is starting to switch over to you know football thinking about football the twitter machine more conversations are happening about football than all the other hocus pocus that takes on over there so <laughs> it's like finally like it's back like it's like all the all the all the 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 posters on twitter all the all the people we like to talk to football about, like they're all going to come back. Everyone, everyone's
0: ramping up. You Everything's going to be right it. again. Let yeah. me ask you this real quick, then, because it's something else I talked about. Like I remember back, you know, before I got into this whole blogging business. I mean, like pre pre two thousand and seven, really. Um, and actually, I mean, I guess maybe two thousand and nine, because um, it wasn't so serious in in the first two years. But you know, it was a whole different. College football days were a whole different day for me. You know the way I absorbed it, the way we did it. But plus, that was really pre, like every ten seconds checking internet kind of kind of days. Mm. Do you? I mean, do you remember? Do you recall? Like, it, it's a lot different now. Like for me, like I mean, this is work. I mean, this <laughs> right. it, it's a it's work that I enjoy immensely. Uh, don't get it twisted. And I'm 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 able to to do a lot of cool things because of it, but there's still a lot of grind still a lot of hustle going on and uh but i you know i look back on those days and like uh you know like this the sweet day of saturday where my ass is just tattooed to the couch from 9 a.m until like 2 a.m then you know that anything it did, did you have were you like that at all
1: yeah so i, I mean that was the whole thing like hey that I'm gonna be I'm gonna be at home, especially like on like big weekends, right? Like some weekends you got a lot of big games, like Labor Day, the first um, the first weekend of games. And I totally understand what you said about like I don't want to wait till Monday. I don't. I want Notre Dame. No, that's to play for Miami on the day. Florida
0: State. You know
1: that that was exactly that, that was
0: the day for Miami Florida State. Should never should never have changed.
1: Yeah, I don't like it, but whatever's fine. Um, no, it it was just like that, and like before before we had the internet and all this like sh- content constantly coming, it's like the biggest thing in the summer was when all the magazines came out. Oh, wow. like Lindy's and Athlon and that sort of thing. Like, Oh, you like, you read about the teams. Um, like I used to get blue and gold illustrated. I'm like that, that magazine, like the paper. Oh yeah. And the paper, paper. Of, yeah. The paper, paper. I used to get that. So that's what college football was. Um, for me, the hardest time, was when I actually played um, in junior college. It was going to play on Saturday. So, like, I was a part <laughs> of it. And it was like, I don't, we, we used to play, like, we, I don't know if you remember this, but, like, this was, like, 2001, 2002. In the California, there were, like, rolling blackouts. Oh, yeah. In that time. I, right. So, they didn't want to turn on the lights at our stadium, so we used to have to play at 1 o'clock all the time. Well Notre Dame's a 1230 team, so I was like missing all of their games. And it's like and the guys on the team would be like, hey man, like you should really be a little bit more focused on the game that we're playing. And it's like it's like I know, but like Notre Dame's playing, man. Like they're playing like Michigan today. That's like a thing. So you know, I that was that was the hardest time.
0: That's funny. I always wonder that. I, w- I, w- I went to a Mac school at Eastern, and uh, I have a very long, funny story about some junior college transfers from out from California. Both these guys played at uh, De La Salle, and they they transferred into e- into Eastern like halfway through my my freshman year. And these guys were like a myth. Like they like they they were just like hiding out in their dorm room, uh, basically trying to find out because they were hogging all the weed. So they're 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 constantly smoking. We're trying to figure out what the hell these guys are doing, but it was funny that they were big USC fans, and they were constantly just pitching about, you know, not being able to, to to keep up with what USC's doing because because they're actually playing football, which
1: I always thought was kind of comical. I'm like, hey, don't you don't you got a job to do? Yeah, you know, you know. So the the the, the <laughs> just to put a bow on it, the first game I ever played in junior college, I was. It was a. Uh, I started at safety, and we played this school, LA Valley, and their quarterback was a Penn State bounce back. Um, his last name was Wasserman or something. Anyway, um, so we're playing in the game, and this was this was September, uh, like early September, two thousand and one. So this was the year after Notre Dame lost in overtime to Nebraska. Oh yeah. So, the following year, they played at Nebraska, right? Right. And they got beat pretty bad. But that game was at night, and our game was at night. So, we played a game. We won like 38 to 20, whatever. And my dad comes down, and the first thing I asked him was, like, how did Notre Dame do? It was the first question I asked him. <laughs> and it's like I, had, I had played a whole football game, didn't care about anything else. Hey, how is Notre Dame? And he just shook his head. I was like, "Ah, oh, man, all right." <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: uh, it's it, it's a lifestyle. That's, a, I, that's what I was trying to say in that podcast. I was yeah. trying to figure out what everybody's how everybody's mingling that in. So, well, moving forward into the 2019 season, you know, something came up uh, on the Irish Illustrated podcast the other day, and it's something that we've been talking about for many months, and something that. We were pretty sure about, but seems like nobody else was, Um, and that's our whole quarterback situation. So, Greg, I I wrote a story about it. You got a story up on UHND about you know about all this. Why don't you break it down for our listeners? What what's going on, and what you think
1: is going on? Um. So, the after Julian Love left, there's this whole you know. Decision like what what are they going to do with Troy Pride? Right? Is he going to play the boundary or is he going to play the field? Um, you know, generally speaking, the best receiver on the other team plays on the boundary. Um, it's a shorter throw for the quarterback. Um, the guy is right there. You know, you can it's just basically just an easier throw. So they're usually just playing to the boundary side. Um, but Troy Pride is like a smaller player, he's not as aggressive in the run game like Julian Love. Um, so people have said, like, maybe that's not the best position for him. At the start of, uh, like, winter conditioning, the reporting was Pride's going to bound- Pride, play the boundary. And that was just kind of the conventional wisdom. Start of spring, that flipped. Houston Griffith is actually going to play on the boundary, and Choi Pride is going to play his natural position in the field. And that was the way it was all spring. Spring game comes around. And I kind of noticed, like, hey, Houston Griffith's covering Michael Young a lot. And Troy Pride's covering Chase Claypool a lot. Chase Claypool's a boundary guy. Like, that's kind of weird. That wasn't what was reported. So I watched the game back. Turns out every snap Troy Pride took was on the boundary. And every snap Houston Griffith took was on the field. And there's and it was not left right it was not left right and i i i asked um the guys in the Irish illustrated podcast like hey did you notice this and you know i'm not going to i'm not trying to blow anybody up like it's not that important but they said well no like that's not what it's been well i think
0: and, we, let me interject just real quick the so the one thing about the a lot of the opinions from the media this this spring was based off the fact that they had more access than they've ever had, especially under the Brian Kelly area during the spring. Like most practices, I can was a I can't remember the exact number, but a ton of practices were open uh, to the media, so they got to see a lot of what was going on. So I to not to defend, just, so I'll just say that. So most of their opinions were based off of. And and to a solid point. I mean, what you see in practice, all that time, should probably make more sense, or should be probably a little more prevalent in your mind, though, than a than an hour long scrimmage to to cap it all off. So I, I I see how they got how everyone got to where they were going at uh, because of what they saw in practice, as opposed to what was going on in the spring game.
1: Right, and like you said, I'm not t- I'm not trying to blow them up. Right. Like I like they're reporting what. They saw right like that's right. not like anything against them and no one noticed it that's the other thing it's like nobody like we were talking before we came on it was the you spring game you didn't notice <laughs> no. and I, I even watching we, like live like but I, I said notice. we said left right because we had we had noticed
0: the fact that we had noticed that that uh pride was was over on the boundary side and in, a, in like a three-minute span, we just kind of came up with, oh, they must just be doing left-right, like they said. And then it just like completely like went
1: out of our mind. Right. So long story short, he played the boundary that day. And now apparently Brian Kelly said he's sticking to the boundary, which, okay, that's fine. But what does that mean for the corner position? Right? Like what are they going to do with Houston Griffith now who they moved – Specifically to play the boundary, and he didn't look that great at the field in the spring game. You know, Michael Young caught a touchdown on him, and it was a bad. That was a bad coverage. Yeah, like <laughs> you, you were that saying that, like really live. He just when he caught it, he was very open, but you can't see the route or anything like that from the TV. So um, just take I me mean, for I, it.
0: I, Michael Young's one of my one of my guys this year. Let's put, let's put it that way. He's 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 a guy that everyone everyone's selling off all these receivers and, and we will go, we're actually going to talk about receivers here in a little bit. So I, I'll save some of my comments on it. But I'll just say Michael Young is one of my guys this year as a kind of like a big breakout. And that's, a, so that's a tough cover anyways, but it was a bad, bad look for Houston Griffith on that. And,
1: and for most of that game, to be honest with you. And the thing is, is like Michael Young is good, but yeah. like, they're going to play a lot of good teams, you know, like, <laughs> like USC is not throwing a bunch of bad dudes out there and neither no, like, is Georgia, even though Georgia lost receivers. a bunch of guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, even though Georgia's got a bunch of guys, like, like lot lost a bunch of people, like they got, they got, they're loaded. They got a guy
0: semi truck down to go see. So yeah.
1: And <laughs> Michigan's got Donovan Peoples Jones and Tariq Black. Like those guys, they're, they're, they're dudes. So like, yeah, Michael Young is good, but they don't play bad players. So um that's a concern but like what are they going to do with him you're going to keep him at corner to back up troy pride i mean this is a this is a top 100 player who like you took from ohio state and florida state right like this is someone that exactly like this is someone that everybody wanted and now you've got him First you had him at corner, then you had him at safety, then you had him at nickel, and then you had him at corner again. And now so what, he's gonna be someone's backup.
0: One of the questions that one of the points brought up is is do you think that that these moves say more about Tariq Bracey, who you know, who is, I guess we're ideally saying that is the field corner, as opposed to you know, say more about Houston Griffith. Or does this say more to the fact that perhaps Sean Crawford uh, is really extremely healthy and, you know, it, it has been noted that he wants to do more than play the nickel. So, you know, maybe there's a there's a rotation there with Bracy and, and Crawford on the field uh, when we're not in need of the nickel. Uh, do you think it says more to that or do you or do you think that this is a move because they just can't trust what they have seen with their eyes with with Houston on that side? Uh, that's, I mean, that's the big mystery, right? Because I mean, it
1: could, it could mean any number. Yeah,
0: it, I don't know if there's no. an answer for that because we, can, we don't, we can't creep into the minds of, uh, of Clark Lee and, you you know, and Todd Light. But I, I just, I wonder. What, I think some people think it says more about, about Houston Griffith, but I don't know. I mean, I maybe, I mean, Tariq Bracey played, of all the corners you brought in, and and I, I'm going to bring up like Noah Boykin, these guys. Tariq Bracy was the lowest-rated corner in that class. So mm. take your rankings wherever they are, and he was the guy who was instant, was the instant guy that they were going to bring in off the bench. So right. he's got Allen. I mean, so th- maybe he's just rising more to the occasion um, on that side. Now Tariq, Tariq can't play the, the the boundary, you know. So th- this isn't like a who's better Tariq or, or Griffith because they're playing totally different things. Right. One's right one's totally suited for one side and the other one's totally suited for the other side.
1: And it could just as easily say something about Derek Allen and DJ Brown at safety. So it's like, we don't want to move Houston Griffith there when those guys have a lock on that position. Cause let's not forget Troy pride after this year is going, he's going to the NFL. So like, and it's not like Notre Dame is super deep at corner. No. Maybe maybe their thought is like, look, maybe play behind pride a little bit. Maybe we'll move pride around. I mean who you know. I, I doubt they'll do this, but maybe they like maybe they feel like they can get Griffith reps, like meaningful reps, to keep developing him as a player and getting him in the game while also maximizing pride so that when pride moves on, Griffith is ready to go as a junior and a senior.
0: Do you think Griffith because, is, is the is basically the number two nickel right now behind Crawford? If we're doing a pre fall camp mythical depth chart,
1: no, no. Who, who no. do you think? Who do you I, think, Ma- I think Crawford there. I think in 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 when, you know push comes to shove live bullets it would be Crawford and then it would be Elliott or Gilman. That's what I think. Yeah, I, I think they I, would. I, I think oh, go ahead. No, I was just say
0: I, I was totally in line with that thinking. Maybe just like even a month ago, uh, with having like say in, uh, you know, you could drop Jalen Elliott down to bring Kyle Hamilton in, who I think most people around the program, covering program, everyone is under the impression that Kyle Hamilton is going to see a lot of meaningful reps this year. So, you know, if if he shows up enough in in practice. Is he getting those reps, which you know, which means he beats out a few guys that were we well, guys we've already mentioned. And Elliott dropped down a nickel if need be. I mean, the 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 whole plan is to have our best nickel for the last five years uh, on the team actually be able to play nickel uh, in Shaw Crawford. So a lot of this is you know Plan B kind of talk, but but you know with Crawford's history,
1: it's an important talk. It, totally. I mean, look, Crawford's the only nickel they've had on the roster since like 2015. Like yeah. since Matthias Farley left. Like no, like anytime time he's either as soon as he the, stepped
0: on campus, he was the best nickel they had.
1: Yeah, and it's and been he, that way and since they won. So, whenever he's in the lineup, their nickel defense is good. Whenever he's not in the look. lineup, it's either garbage or they just don't do it. Yeah, it's usually it's, it's, you're right. It, it that was look
0: when Crawford went down in the last year in August. I damn near wept knowing how good he was at that position and knowing that he, now that he had a full season under his belt, a season that he had declined in the latter half because of just his body getting used to it. And I had thought this is something's going to You know, this is not good. Now I got a lot of feet, got a lot of clap back saying, you know, how many losses is going to be? I'm like, I don't know, but this is, this is that our nickel defense is not as good as we, we could get a loss, and I think there was moments last year, especially at the beginning of the season, Ball State and Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt especially, where the nickel play was not up to snuff at all, and was one of the main drivers that kept Vanderbilt in the game, was because of that. And so, right there, right there should tell you everything. Like that kept that would have kept you out of your close game. And to make this an even bigger deal, think about the whole fucking narrative. Of last season, you know the whole the whole Michigan thing isn't even a thing. If Notre Dame blows Ball State and Vanderbilt out, or they just they win more than what they did, and could that have happened with a better nickel defense? Absolutely. So the whole narrative from the season changes all because Sean Crawford.
1: I I, I, the, I just the, 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 yeah, like they had a they had a level of play that they could not reach on defense. Like, I mean, you just look at the way. You know, you like what USC did to us in the right. first half, like dink and dunk. Like that stuff's not available to them. Like they they could not do that against the same defense with Sean Crawford and Nickel in 2017. No, he owns that. I mean, he, yeah, and he had the he same the players. Game. Yeah, they had the same players. So it's like it's just it's like they would have they would have won different. I don't know that it makes a difference against Clemson ultimately, but like in like 12 and 0, is 12 and 0. It's hard to really say. The only thing is, is like for this particular team, it might be a blessing in disguise that he got hurt. Just because if he played last year, he might have just moved on because he graduated, right? Right. He would have gotten two years full. I mean, he's um, able to come back next year. He, he's he's a yeah.
0: he's a six year candidate.
1: Right. Uh, so, and one of the one of the easiest ones. I mean, he's he's
0: our Stanley Havili. <laughs> <laughs> Stanley Havili, if y'all. Uh, I know everyone knows that name because he was around for a decade plus uh, as USC's fullback.
1: Right. Yeah. So I, you know, I the thing about the thing about Griffith at nickel is that if he, if he was good enough at corner, I don't think they would have moved pride. And if you can't handle corner, then I don't know that you could handle nickel because nickel is hard. Yeah, I mean, it's a hard. It
0: is. I think that playing that nickel is the the way it should be played is probably the hardest position out there. I mean, on any any spot, not just in the secondary, the hardest position on defense, just the way that it's used in in today's, especially in today's game with the, you know, with playing in space and all that. And a lot of a lot of the way that the pass routes are ran now by so many teams, they're 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 trying to funnel things in on the underneath Uh, that that's a huge part of their game is to get the ball into a playmaker's hands and get an extra seven, eight yards. Maybe they break a few, get a bigger nickel's tough. Nickel is ridiculously
1: tough. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't shade. You can't put one foot forward. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because they don't have, like, they're just throwing it against the wall. Like they don't have, that's, that was another thing. Like, I don't want to get into Nick Coleman, but like, why'd you go away from him? But whatever. Um, The point is, is like, I don't, I don't see them doing that. I think they would rather have they would rather have someone who it's like maybe they don't have the athleticism, but they have the ultra confidence. And I think that you would get that from Crawford and then you would get it from Gilman and Or Elliot. Cuz those guys like they're not they're not going to be hesitant. We certainly know that from Gilman. I'm sure Elliot feels the same. Oh, so, I mean, I Elliot mean, same way. I I'm a
0: huge if I may mean, I'm I have to do the top twenty-five player rankings, uh, you know, for Farmer's thing on on uh, NBC, mm. and I'm having a hard time sending it right now because I want to put Elliot at number one so bad. I, I oh my god, dude! I am not joking. <laughs> now, you see, you're laughing, and if Farmer's listening to this, he's rolling his eyes like figures because I'll I'll do something I'll do something against the grain like that every year, but I just feel. It, when you put it all together, and Carter Carl spoke to this uh, on our podcast a few weeks ago, Jalen Elliott—I mean, no one's got the C on their chest yet. So, but we're pretty sure Jalen Elliott's going to get it. And according to Carl, Carl's, and, and myself, the, Elliott is the leader for this team right now. He is numero—I mean, take away the whole quarterback thing, all that. But as far as mm-hmm. players go. Jalen Elliott is the man to everyone on that team right now. And the fact that he has risen his play to such a high level, such a higher level at safety, you know, in his junior year going into a senior year, I have a lot of expectations for Jalen Elliott. I have a lot of, and one of the things that we've, I mean, how many times have you complained? You play DB mm-hmm. complained about her lack of, 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 a ball hawk of a playmaking safety, like what we wouldn't kill for a playmaking safety back there. And with that pass rush up front, and, and, you know, I am talking about Elliot number one and pretty much maybe the obvious for everyone else is, is Julian Aquara, you know, the line, I get it. But, you know, with that pressure, you got to be able to make the plays to back that pressure up. So I haven't sent it in yet. I'm just saying, I, I, I've written two out. One of them has Elliot's name at the very top. Uh, We'll see what we'll see what goes on with that, but you're right that, that that's they have that confidence and that swagger back there in that secondary. Now, expect I mean, Gilman and and Elliott, shoulder to shoulder back there. I mean, it's a whole it's been a long time up in South Bend that we've had a pair of safeties that have been able to hold their own like that. Maybe like a, a kind of like a better version of like uh, like Glenn Earl and Jerome um, Sapp. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of similarities there, um but I think that this version is even better than that
1: mm. uh. <laughs> yeah no I, I i mean i it's it's so like that's so like the 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 Elliot pick is so like intangible like intangible heavy there, like the leadership piece like i mean. I don't know. It's hard to. I do the go the, the point is, is, like if even if you think he's top five, like it does, one or whatever, it doesn't matter. If you <laughs> think he's top five, then then what you're basically saying is like, and if you thought that, then why? Like you, you, there's a there's a there's a case to be made that like he should play the nickel at all the times because if if, you, we, if we just said that it's the toughest position. On the defense, right. And if you think he's their best player, like it should be his job above Crawford's. Well, no. I
0: mean, you got to put your best guys with your best guys, right? That's true. Crawford, but like, if if, it, if I healthy, mean,
1: I mean, I mean, he's Crawford. The, the thing about Crawford is that, like, barring health, right? Yeah, which is but I mean, every time you bring up Crawford's name, yeah, you, you have to mention that he's got. I mean, but he would have to be like like you he'd have to be pretty darn close to what he was. Now granted, like obviously maybe you say like hey, you know, Elliot, we want him in the back. We want him to be the one to make sure like nothing goes wrong up here. Um, but like I'm just saying if you think he's the best player on the defense, there is a case that he should just have the job outright.
0: No, I get, I, get- so. no
1: I get it. So, no, now I get it. Now I mean, look,
0: Julian Aquara is the best player on the defense. So I, I not going to be ridiculous here, but all I'm saying is when I, when I make out those lists, I I throw a lot more than just play into the, into. I mean, I throw the intangibles in okay. and, and, and what they, and what that player means to the team, you know, it, it's why mm-hmm. it's why you put up, you can put a punter on that top 25 list. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You would never rank, you know, out with your punters or something like that, but you know, I did last year. Plus, he was, you know, Newsom was a captain. There's different elements to all that. Um, but my main thing is, I just, I think Jalen Elliott is ridiculously good right now. I think he, I, I, and I don't think that, no, I don't think he's getting enough credit from everyone other than me <laughs> <laughs> for what he actually did last year. And, and the best thing about it is, it's because Gilman was so good last year. Uh, as well. So it, it's a it's a huge blessing to have both those guys back there that that we're totally overlooking some of the best safety play that we've seen uh, from Elliott because Gil- Gilman was, you know, made these ridiculous, you know, just sacrificing his body for glory for football glory out there, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, not only is it great for the team, but it's it's endearing to fans. And, and and to people that write about him. I mean, you like to see a guy laying everything down on the line out there, and you, you got that sense from Gilman every game. Right. Every game he was out there to destroy nations. I mean, yes, he had some difficulty against Clemson. And I'll tell you what right now, Greg, I don't know about you, but I am sick and tired of fans on any article. <laughs> so many articles have written about pointing at that damn Clemson game. Like, that's the reason why we like, look, they won 12 freaking games last year and they ran into the best team in college football, who, by the way, handed Alabama a 28 point loss in the championship game. Yeah, we didn't play good against them and we lost and we lost big. That doesn't sell out the entire team, you know, I, to 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 un, to under quantify what they actually are because they got their asses handed to them by the best team in college football, who by the way was handing asses all over college football. It seems a little ridiculous to me.
1: I think they were one of the like best statistical teams of all time. No you Clemson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were, dude, they were, they were insane. They, were, they I mean, were, it was, I, I think it's from like a advanced stats. So Yeah. You like, have
0: to go to the advanced stats, but like, like what they did, like on third down, the, and especially that championship game where they were starting breaking down advanced stats. It was like, we haven't seen this before. Like, yeah, they're fucking good. You guys. Well, like the way they. Like the way like they. Nobody beat teams and <laughs> like nobody. I
1: mean, like, yeah. Georgia, you go ahead and play them. Watch and get whooped. I mean, it doesn't like. Obviously, like the conversations surrounding that game for Notre Dame fans are super annoying. Um, Just because like. it's like people, people love to troll and that's fine. Right. Like people love to troll and that's no big deal. Um, it's a little different when it comes from the media, but I mean, that's just the nature of it. I think for us though, it, how much does it inform the way that we think about how next season's going to go?
0: Well, I mean, I think it all changed too. Once, I mean, all of our opinions changed. You know, it, it was it was the classic line from the night of the championship game. You know, there was two winners that night: Clemson and Notre Dame. Right. Because the our entire perception of of what that season was and what we have moving forward changed when we saw what Clemson did to Bama. So, you know, it made a huge difference. You know, in my eyes, what. Notre Dame actually has, and then to, you know, to go turn on ACC media days and and hear a Clemson offensive lineman up there talking about how Notre Dame was better was tougher than Clemson or Alabama, you know, for whatever reason he said it, it's nice to hear.
1: It's <laughs> it's <laughs> it's not bad to hear. I'll tell you that, but it did it did make me think like, like what about Notre Dame? that they saw, like, what about Notre Dame made them feel like, Hey, like this team is real. And it's actually like, like, like did the win against Notre Dame actually give Clemson that confidence of like, yeah, like we're going to whoop on Bama because we just whooped on this team that we know is actually really good.
0: Yeah. I think, I think you hit it right there on the head. And, and I'm telling you Notre Dame's defensive front was really good last year. I mean, so you're talking about, this is an offensive lineman talking, Right. He's right. got to go up every play, you know, with Kareem and Aquara and Tillery. You know, that's not a joke. That that's a that was a tough defensive line. And just because Alabama's recruiting five stars left and right along the, along their defensive line doesn't mean that every year they have the best defensive line in college football. In fact, Clemson had the best defensive line in college football last year. And but they got to go up against that. And maybe they I mean, they gave them, I mean, they played them tough. There was a there was a few plays that went haywire, but they played them pretty tough. So, the, the fact that they did they did the whatever they wanted to to Bama just made you made just shine a little brighter. Knowing that, all right, we're not we are exactly what they were saying after the game. Swarbrick saying we're not as far away, and you're and Sweeney's saying it, and you're looking at him like Sweeney's being nice and Swarbrick is being crazy, and then but that's might be actually be the case. So that's a good
1: thing to know. Well, look. I mean, just objectively, Clemson jumped on Bama straight away. I mean, that like right at the beginning, like they like were Pete on Carroll style. Yeah, I mean, they they like that. They, they went they went after it. Like they, they, right away, they were giving them problems. They went down and scored. They were moving the ball at will. That obviously was not the case against Notre Dame. Um, I mean, just objectively, that didn't happen. And you know. Obviously, Julian Love goes out, and Clemson, being the type of offense that they are, you see a weakness, you exploit it, you exploit it to its maximum, and then with your best you get up, players, I mean, yeah, with your be- and then you and then you and then you get up twenty three three, and it's like now Notre Dame has a math problem, and you can't solve it, and Notre Dame knows they can't solve it. And you're in the corner. Yeah, Notre Dame knows. Like we can't, we could not get down twenty one points to this team. We could not. We're not that kind of a team right now. So, yeah, especially against that kind of defense. Right. So, for me, I just look at like, well, because I've been just thinking about the season over the summer and just, you know, writing articles and thinking about the team. Like, I've been kind of like a lot more pessimistic than I usually am. Like, I heard you say yesterday, um, you had them down for 11 wins. And I was talking to Frank earlier, our site manager. And and he's, like, really high on Notre Dame. And I'm just thinking, like, man, I, I, don't, I don't know if I see that. And usually I'm, like, not the Pollyanna guy, but usually in the – Sign me up like,
0: for 12-0.
1: <laughs> usually I'm, like, half glass, half full guy. And when, when, you know, when Clemson says, like, hey, Notre Dame was actually, like, really good last year, it makes me think, like, am I – Am I being too guarded? Am I being too pessimistic? Like, am I assuming the worst when there's evidence that says, like, actually Notre Dame is as good as you think they might be? But that's only natural because of everything we've had to go through over the last couple of decades. Right.
0: Right. But, uh, hey, I want to uh, – we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, I, I do want to talk about uh, the wide receivers. Who was – look, that was Clemson's best uh, – they're the best players in the field that night. Was Trevor Lawrence and and, uh, and uh, my mind's blank because it's in the middle of the day and I can't think straight. But the men at wide receiver for uh, <laughs> for Clemson, well, Justin Ross and T Thanks. Hey, thank you, thank you. I, I, <laughs> whatever. It's all uh, right. they they ran so fast, I, it was hard to catch their names. <laughs> <laughs> so we come back. We're going to talk about Notre Dame's wide receivers uh, a little bit, and uh, uh, so stay tuned. All right, we are back, and I talked about the secondary. And uh, I, I, look, it, it's a work in progress. Uh, as far as we we're get, we're seeing some pieces, and uh, I think we're we're just going to have to wait for fall camp to see how how they start falling in line. And definitely uh, Louisville, and maybe even then we we don't we won't know exactly. But I think on the other side of the uh, the team there on the, with the wide receivers,
1: I think we kind of really know what we have, don't we, Greg? Uh, yeah, especially in terms of like, you know, I don't want to say pecking order, but the first three, we know who are going to be out there. Um, you know, Claypool, Fink and Young. And then, I mean, the, the mysterious Kevin Austin is, I mean, who knows where he fits in there, but
0: well, now you know, uh, speaking to Kevin Austin, Tim Priester did tweet out something that was interesting, uh, it was yesterday or the day before where someone asked about Austin and he said, you uh, retweeted him and said something about, you
1: know, see you in October. Uh, so yeah, that ex- would ex- expect his contribution in October. In October I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So that would, to me, suggest that uh, Austin is going to get the same silent suspension that Dexter Williams and Kevin Stefferson both uh, got to start their seasons out. Look, you're not going to hear anything from Notre Dame. So you don't worry about asking because they're not going to say anything. Um, the word traits might be used a few times, uh, unfortunately, but it's just the way it is. So if is saying that, I'll trust his reporting on that, that he's heard something to that effect. Um, and I'll just leave it. its We're not going to see Kevin Austin on the field in a game probably until October, yeah. uh, which means he misses the Georgia game, which, ouch. But – I like what Notre Dame has with the first three. Now, fans have lost their damn minds, and I don't know. I, I I'm not sure which storyline this offseason has been more annoying, but this one this one has definitely been under my skin, especially recently. Especially, and that's like selling out Fink and and Claypool and Michael Young for a bunch of sophomores that we don't know anything about. I mean, we know some about them, but these aren't guys that. That got a whole lot of reps last year. I mean, and I think the guys that we have are pretty good. So, I got talking about Fink not having any athleticism. Obviously, he didn't see him moss the Michigan secondary, and the fact that he saved our asses against USC, or the fact that he's he's the guy everyone's screaming on the screen is wide open. But you know, he might be a little too far down the field for Book to hit. Uh, I I mean, I think I think Fink is it. For a lot of reasons, obviously. He's underrated. Claypool, who uh he's moving over to spot on that side, uh, is is primed to have I mean every or ever spoke about earlier. Look, I think he's gonna have a breakout type of a season. He was on my shit list as early as the Wake Forest game last year when he didn't finish a touch I mean he had a touch. Touchdown if he just kept running. Uh he stepped out <laughs> of bounds. <laughs> and <laughs> and I lo- I lost my shit watching that. Uh, um, but I think Michael, I mean Michael Young's really damn good. He's fast. He's like he's one of the faster guys on the team, and you're putting him out on the edge. So you got you got some quick twitch with Fink, you got some speed with Young, and you got a lot, I think a lot of reliability and playmaking ability with Claypool. That's a good set of guys with a quarterback who's pretty damn accurate.
1: I think anybody who's short selling Fink at this point is is just like can't get over his whiteness. Is basically what I didn't want
0: to say it, but it has to be it. I mean, it's
1: it's if if (laughs) if Lawrence Keys has the exact same season as Fink did last year, no one's talking about Fink behind him. Not only that, like, if if Lawrence Keys, like I said, has the same season, the next season, people are going to be predicting, like, huge things. So, like, there's one thing that, that holds Fink back in the minds of people, and that's just the fact that he's a white kid. And he's a walk-on. Yeah. So, yeah or he that, was a walk-on.
0: You had that combo, white walk-on yeah. at receiver, and, yeah, he, he <laughs> that's exactly it. I mean, that, that has – that has to be it. Otherwise, people are just not watching the games. Why? I mean, yeah,
1: pay like, he's, 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 <laughs> he made plays like all the, every week in, <laughs> in all of our biggest games. Like, I don't like, what else is there to say. Um, uh, so, that I, look, I, I, I agree with you. Like, as far as, and it's not just, it's not like when we talk about receivers, like, I think we have to throw Komet in there, and I think we have to throw Armstrong in there. Like, that's five guys. Who
0: hell put Tony
1: Jones in there? He had put a 50 y- well, well, I mean, yard like, rumble stumble. I think, including the, including the running back and the tight end, like that's five frontline receivers available to Notre Dame who can get open against just about anyone. You know, because look, say what you want about Claypool and the way he played against Clemson. It's not like he wasn't open, you know, that's- like he's open, he's like he's, he's dropping a pass. Or he's not getting the ball thrown to him. Which, you know, if you've, if you've been listening to podcasts over the last, you know, four or five months, anyone will, like any of those guys will say, like, Claypool's open. It either just needs to get thrown or it needs to catch it more consistently. So getting open is half the battle. Like, I remember, I remember, you know, back in like the mid 90s and the 2000s when it was like, we can't beat Ohio State because none of our guys are open. And that's not, like, that's not a problem. So, you know, it's like to me, the receivers are only as good as Ian Book is going to be this year. And the thing we know about Ian Book is that he's accurate. And if he gets protection, he knows where to go with the ball.
0: And the big question with Book, I mean, still, and even though there's been – positive reports about him um, as recently as just, you know, last week about him improving his v- vertical passing game. Unfortunately, we didn't see any of that in the spring game. Like that just wasn't going to happen uh, for us to see. And to me, that that's the, as big of a loss is, uh as Dexter Williams is from last year to the, for this offense, I think the biggest question mark isn't, you know, isn't that running back it's, Just in that vertical passing game, can you stretch the field enough to open other things up, including a running game that's going to need some? That is going to need a little bit more opening
1: up. I 100% agree with you, and And I think think, that. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, I think, like, even more so than the receivers, like, the receivers are fine. Like, even the guys, like you said, like, even if they have to play keys or Wilkins, like, they have enough players that we know are going to get open. Like the talent is there, like it's top line talent too. But what is Ian Book gonna be? And this is where like I diverge from a lot of people based on what they think the season is gonna be. Like, is Ian Book gonna be like a Heisman candidate? Because this—that's a, a tall order. <laughs> and I'm talking about—and I'm talking about like—that's a tall order. I don't mean. I don't mean making it to New York per se. Just so like, being in the conversation.
0: Yeah. Uh, like a like so Josh Adams graphics? was
1: in 2017. Exca- right. Exactly. Right. And, and, and the way the offense is for as good as Jafar Armstrong is like, I don't see him as, I, I don't see him as like the, like the running back who's going to carry it 20 times and run for 1400 yards like i just don't see that i think this offense needs to be carried by ian book and if you listen to you know the irish illustrated guys um even bgi a little bit like everyone thinks like this offense is going to be high octane 40 points a game well how is that going to happen it's not going to be because they're running for 300 yards right so like in order for that to happen ian book's got to play great like that, you know, that, I, I asked Tyler no James that I asked Tyler
0: James that question we had him on about uh Notre Dame scoring 40 points. And but and uh, Jude was with with me that night. And both Jude and, and Tyler do not believe that they're going to hit 30, but or hit 40 averaging for the season, but setting the over under at 38 and a half, I think is about right. right. I mean, do you I mean, do you honestly think that Notre Dame I don't want to say are they capable, you know, are they going to do it? I mean, screw the capable shit. I think they are capable, but are do you think that they actually are going to score 40 points a game this year? I don't think that. Okay. But, but like, is, that's, we'll go ahead. Where are you sitting on, on that, on that line then? I mean, just spitballing a number out. What where, where, I mean, are, are you, are you still closer to like, like the 38, 38 points or are you dipping down? I'm, dipping,
1: I'm I'm closer to like 34. Okay. Just because like like we didn't see them be explosive last year in the passing game. Like they were not explosive other than Dexter. Right. So he's gone. I don't see Jafar being that kind of a player. So like where does that explosiveness come from? Like to me, if you want to get from 34 to like 40, then you need like big plays. One touchdown a game where it's like it's like, oh, that was a two-play drive, or that was a that was a one-play seventy-five-yard drive.
0: You need CJ Prosser getting you ninety-one yards on a third and fourteen. Yeah, exactly. You know?
1: And like, where is that coming from? At like, do, I think we have the receivers for it. I think Fink can do it, right? Like, how many touchdowns did he miss against USC last year? Like, there were at least a couple. Yeah. And how many touchdowns did did Claypool miss out on? You know, maybe there's a couple. Like, where is that explosiveness coming from? Now, there has been a lot of reporting on Ian Book taking the next step this summer. Just the work that he's been doing, he got bigger, he got stronger. So maybe that's there. And the people who would know a lot more than me, they're the ones who are saying, like, hey, he's going to be really good. And that gives me hope. But. (laughs) That's like, what I go to bed and hug my pillow at night thinking about. Right, and it's like maybe I'm wrong about it, you know. And it actually almost feels good to be the skeptical one for once. But like proven wrong, it's yeah. a great feeling. Like I, I, I like being skeptical. Like it, make, it keeps me honest. And and I'm just I'm wrong like, a
0: lot. But the be, but the best thing about being wrong sometimes is it's it works
1: way more in your favor. Exactly. Like let me be wrong. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and, and and the thing is, is like. I, But, like, I think people need to realize, too, like, when you say something like, oh, they're going to score 40 points a game, or if you think that, it's like, okay, well, then, like, that's being driven by Ian Book. Is Ian Book the type of player who's going to be like, yeah, he's, he's, he's in the Heisman conversation? Because I can't really see that, but let me, maybe, let me ask you this. maybe I'm let me, wrong.
0: Let me ask you this. How shocked were you by... By Dexter Williams' 40 time at the Combine. Uh pretty, pretty shocked. I mean, did, would you have ever have guessed like that? I mean, it wasn't even a low 4-6. It was kind of like a like a mid 4-6. was it like four, six, 4 or something like that? No, it
1: was a he ran, it was a
0: high four, it was like four five eight. Mm, I thought he ran a four-six.
1: Maybe four, I'll think of eight.
0: something. Maybe think of something else. Regardless.
1: Four,
0: five, it, it, regardless, the four five eight. Is, okay uh, that, that's what I, that's what I was getting it was it was almost a four six yeah you're over that over that hump there right but it, it doesn't equate to what we saw you know obviously on the field when you know the explosion the the big plays that, that he brought to the table I would venture to say that Jafar Armstrong is a faster football player than Dexter Williams so where 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 is he lacking uh in being a in- Able to make the, the big plays like like Dexter did. I
1: don't have like I don't I don't I don't honestly don't have a good answer. Like yeah. cause, like my because my because my <laughs> my answer. I mean like, is, that what going is that we running back
0: forty times? Is that where running back skill is? I mean I I guess I asked that question because I've been I've given it a lot of thought, and I guess in, in one in one sense I'm looking at it like all right well Dexter's been a running back his entire life, and there's just things that running backs can do. Good running backs know how to run the ball I mean they they know how to get they can get those big pl- those big chunk plays you know Jafar being a wideout most of his life is there just something to his running style is i mean i don't have it a, i don't have the test results in front of me, but I know dexter's um short yard explosion is really good is, is jafar's not as much you know as far as that hole uh, you know i just i don't know but it, it just seems like there's a big difference in playmaking ability there seems like as opposed to what their actual
1: like speed numbers are dexter always had a a knack to just find a hole get to it really quickly and just explode through it i like and and everything about that lends itself to a faster 40 than what he ran i'll put it like this I don't I was I was less stunned by Dexter Williams running a 458 than I was about Dalvin Cook running a 454. Four. Because hmm. Dalvin Cook to me was just as explosive. I mean yeah, that guy, right. like that guy was ripping off runs all over the place all the time. And it's like, like, there, was a, like
0: he, there was only two times in Dexter Williams' career that I l- literally saw somebody run him down. That was against Temple in 2015. In, uh, 2015 and then in the spring game, Troy Pride Jr. Jafar yeah, Armstrong, the, the, my, the biggest impression Jafar Armstrong put on me, as far as that goes, was that he got caught against Ball State. He had a 62 yard touchdown. Save one yard because a guy caught caught him. You you got tripped up. I don't see that, and I just don't feel that that, you know if that's Dexter, that doesn't happen. I guess, obviously, it's a speculation, but I just don't believe that happens. That's a six. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I don't know how how important. (laughs) I mean, let's lay it out like this. So say Jafar breaks off a sixty-five yard run and gets caught at the four yard line, you know, and we score three plays later. How how big of a difference is that to you, and I, as, a, as opposed to just that's not being the sixty you know sixty seven yard touchdown? You know The results the same. Just a couple minutes later, does it make
1: that big of a difference? But you don't have to play football anymore. <laughs> I mean, like, and here's the thing: it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like. Do like, you remember? Do you remember in twenty twelve? Theo had that long run against BYU where he got caught up on the line, put his hand down. Oh, yeah, and, dude. That, and that, that ran spin, for that. that right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got caught up in the line, put his hand down. Everyone thought he was down, and then he broke it free. Yeah. He got tackled, right? At the five? Yeah. What happened on that drive? Damn it. You put me on the spot. Field goal? Field goal. Yeah, yeah. And that's the difference. You don't have to you don't have to play football anymore if you score a touchdown. Nothing nothing can happen. You, there, there's, no, there's no way you can have a holding penalty on first down and next thing you know it's first and goal from the 14. Like that's the difference is like it is just like little things. And not just that like it's demoralizing. It's demoralizing like no, I, agree. Worth, I, mean, I agree 100% with you on it. Like on nothing everything is out there. Nothing is – and not just that, but, like, it scares you too. If a guy hits, a, like, a 70-yard touchdown, like – That sticks with a guy. I it, mean, it, 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 It's scary. It's like, man, if we give this guy a crease, like, he's gone. Like, I, I remember, like, in high school I did this. Like, I used to chase people down all the time. And it's like, as a, as a player, it makes you feel better. Like, I know that I can run this guy down if it comes to that and well,
0: you know and I played db I, I know exactly what you're talking about it gives you I mean it gives you some leeway out there it gives you a little more confidence to to maybe to to be a little bit more of a playmaker back there knowing that you don't have to like in a hair s- split second change directions
1: cuz this guy is just going to burn right past you I know I, I know exactly what you're talking about right so it's just like the threat of it you know the threat of yep. feeling like like man the the guy's the, a crease away from, from gashing us. So when,
0: when it comes, we've stepped quite a bit away from the, uh, from the wide receivers a little bit, but so creeping back, is this group good enough? I mean, you are under the, you are coming out and saying, you know, probably 34, 35 points a game, but are they good enough to get to that 40 if, if Ian Book is on point?
1: Yes. Okay. And so and that's, that's great, right? I mean that's freaking awesome, right? Yeah, like no question. Like that like, like yeah, let's at, celebrate y'all. Like you look at you look at Chase Claypool and I had like an article about this, like a lot of his long passes right that he caught he's running by the guy. Like he, he jumps up and catches it, right? He's running by the guy and Ian Book put it, you know, somewhere where he can catch it, but he's not leading him. But he's still running by him. You look, at the, uh, you look at the long touchdown that Michael Young hit last year. Like, that's, that's a – he smoked him. Like, that's a barbecue. Like, he's wide open, and he's running away from the defense. Like, there's no reason he can't do that to whoever else. I remember – I remember Michael Young, what was it? His freshman season, there was some video of him – it was either against Troy Pride or it was against Julian Love. He hit the guy on a post route, and I was like, "Hey, this is real. Like that sort of thing. <laughs> like that's that like that's serious right there." This is not a doctor VHS. Yeah, like hey, like hey, I don't know what his forty time is, <laughs> but that DB knows. Like I can get run past at any moment here. Like so, they have guys like same with. Chris. You know, Brandon Wimbush is restrict in the Michigan game. He's restricted by the end zone, basically. Right? Like he can't throw it over the guy because it's gonna be in the stands. Fink's running by him. Fink's running by people in the USC game. Right? He's 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 fast. You know, people, you know, again, it's the white thing. He can get behind the defense. So the explosiveness is there from a talent standpoint. Right, but is Ian Book the guy that can take advantage of it to its fullest? Because it's like you said, you you hit a deep route that's a back shoulder, and that's great, right? Forty yard game, but you still have to play football. And right. what was the what was the joy about having Will Fuller? You don't have to play football anymore. <laughs> you just throw it over, and then that's it. We're all done. Absolutely. There's no more football. I. I...
0: That's to me. This is just this is the ingredient for the season. Can can they make the? I mean, and Chip Long spoke to it right off the bat. uh, Just to start spring ball was we got to get more explosive. And yeah, to do and everything. Everything opens up. Everything. Don't don't let anyone fool you. You know, the running game opens up the passing game, and the passing game opens up the running game. It's just to be an explosive offense. Those things have to be in tandem one can't be exceedingly better than the other and expect to go against defenses like Clemson's was last year and expect to, to win. I mean, you're, you're going to have some struggles. So if you can get, if you can get in tandem with that and, you know, and it's a beautiful thing to watch. I mean, and we saw it at times last year, you know, when, when that offense was just in completely in sync, you know, between what they were doing on the run on the ground and through the air but they still lack that that deep ball that I think would have just exploded everything up. I, I mean, can you imagine the, the threat? You, just there was a lot of stuffs. The we were not going to get too deep into the offensive line, but look, they, they didn't play that great last year. There was a lot of stuffs in the line. Dexter had to break some to get his yards. Right. But can you imagine they'll take away some of those stuffs because they are crowding the box because Notre Dame wasn't beating anybody over the top. Too much. I mean, yes, Miles Boykin, but we're not talking about these long Will Fuller esque type, you know, plays. Right. And just imagine, just imagine Notre Dame's offense last year with just a little bit more, and how how much more. And that's a that's a damn near a forty point, an offense uh, season.
1: You know, I mean, if, think if of, they could have done that. Think of how demoralizing it was when Clemson hit all those big plays; they hit them for touchdowns.
0: Think right? How demoralizing it was against Ball State when we
1: couldn't get any big. Play for touchdowns exactly it, it's just it's just like you when, when when you do it and you hit the big play it's like man we're, we're not playing football anymore like they they got us like it's over they scored especially against that defense which is like hey i'll take i'll always take my chances with those guys but it's like ah uh, we gave up one play and it's like it doesn't matter how good Tavon coney is and it doesn't matter right. how good tillery is if they're throwing it over the top And our guy gets beat for a 60 yard touchdown.
0: Well, Hey, I just heard a huge crash coming from upstairs and we're running just a little over the hour now. So like I said, the kids are home. So we're going to wrap, we're going to wrap this up. Hey everyone, you can, uh, you can check out all Greg's work over at UHND. Um, he is now officially a friend of the show. Um, a good friend of the show, not just, not just an acquaintance, he's a good friend. <laughs> so, uh, check out his stuff. Look, we're all, we're all ramping up. We're getting ready for the season. Um, there's a whole lot of stuff we've, we've talked about a billion times over. Trust me when I say that's it's all going to, we're all going to get some new fresh shit, uh, <laughs> before too long. So, um, uh, Greg, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. And, uh, and really enjoyed uh, your insight on that stuff. For sure, man. Love talking. I'm ready to go. All right. Well, that's it for today, guys. And uh, hopefully, we get Jude back from his travels, and, and then we finally will d- dive start diving into uh, into Notre Dame's season. We're gonna we're going on a uh, a three parter, uh, four games each, and we'll see where we're at. I'd say eleven games. I think Jude's like around eight or nine. Uh, let's get into a fight. So, <laughs> until then, <laughs> go Irish.